Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the Bridge Teaching Podcast. We hope that the messages you hear are both uplifting and challenging. And now, welcome to the bridge. So, uh, think about this. Don't answer out loud. But do you guys think you love like Jesus? Or do you love like Jason? Or do you love like Jackson? Right? I love, I love that. God, I wasn't looking for a laugh there, but there you go. Right? Like, when I think about that, do I love like Jesus or I love like Jackson? And I search my heart, and I really let the Spirit speak to me on that. I think that I love like Jackson, right? In fact, more often than not, I love just like the world does. I don't really love like Jesus does, right? Because Jesus says, pray for your enemies and bless them. But I don't really do that often. In fact, oftentimes, I resent them, right? And you're like, oh, like, you're, like how are you a pastor? I'm just being honest with you guys, right? I think, I think, I think we preach a big game about loving like Jesus Christ. But we're going to look in this text tonight. This text is called Love Must Resist Hate. And we're going to be challenged and we're going to be sanctified in the way that we love, right? Because Jesus says love, don't hate. And he even says it on the cross. From the cross, he can proclaim, forgive them for they know not what they do, right? Man, we love that principle. Man, we're proud to proclaim that about Jesus Christ. But Jesus calls us to follow him and in turn what? When we follow Jesus, who will we become like? We will become like Jesus, right? But man, this is an area of our Christian walk. I mean, we think that this is the first thing that we have down is, of course, I love like Jesus. But as I examine the text with you tonight, I think we're going to be extremely challenged to go deeper into this. Because if love will resist hate, and we think about it, how can we be the ambassadors of Christ, the representatives of him that he called us to be, unless we actually practice that, right? And I think that hate can be extreme, right? Or it can be like lighthearted, right? So you can be extreme with this right now, or you can be lighthearted with this right now. So, so please work with me. Please talk to me. What are some th- what's something you hate? Russia. <laughs> Fair. Okay. All right. Okay, Liam. Cool. What else? You beat, you beat Noah to it. Noah, you're about to say that? Okay, fine. Okay. Okay, what else? No, I'm ready for that challenge. Oh, you are. You are ROTC. I see you over there, Jason. Cool. What else? What do you hate? Noah hates inflation. Is that what you're going to say? You hate inflation. Was that it? I already knew. What else? Yeah. Fair. That's fair. I did my time, homie. Okay. Okay. So you're cool. It's just really like the burden when you get home of like, I was just here eight hours. Now I have three hours of homework. I hate that. Okay. I, (laughs) wait, wait, You, you said SATs and then you jumped to the rock, the rock Dwayne Johnson. How, is that anything to do with SATs, or those are two things you hate? Why do you hate The Rock? I understand Liam's hate for the SATs. I don't like standardized testing, right? Why do you, what, you, you just don't know. You just hate him for no reason? Okay, he's nuts. Stop. Uh, fair. You love The Rock. You're passionate about The Rock. Okay, all right. So, I think that Hate is a little weird in 2022. You know what I mean? Have you guys ever, like, heard it kind of explained that if you explain to somebody else, like, let's say you have a worldview, and what is your worldview? Well, I, I hope that as a Christ follower, 
that your worldview, the way in which the lens through which you view the world is a biblical worldview. As Christ followers, yes, that's what we're commanded to have is a biblical worldview. We believe what we believe because we believe it to be true. And what we believe to be true is what God has proclaimed in the Bible, right? We have a biblical worldview. This is how we look at the world, right? But I believe that if we disagree with somebody else or we don't approve of someone else's worldview, you're described as what? An H word, a hater, right? But I don't think that it's being hateful to simply disagree with somebody. But is it fair to say that that's kind of the culture that we live in? Yes. Okay, I do, I do think that's true, right? Have you guys ever, look at this verse with me on the screen. In John three fifteen, this is where Jesus, he equates hate with murder. Okay, you guys pull it, pull it together. We, we, got, we got our phone out. Let's, let's lock it in now, okay? All right. So it says, anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them, right? So I've heard this, right? Like I've told my, I literally remember Joey, like we just learned this in Sunday school. He's my older brother. We were probably like 10 and 12 or something like that. And I was like, we were pl- probably playing like Mario Kart and, and he was just beating me over and over like an older brother does, right? And I was like, I hate you. And he's like, well, you just committed murder in your heart. And I was like, going to hell. <laughs> Got to talk to mom and dad about this, right? You know? And uh, I, I was tore up, so, so they had to give me the context of this and everything, right? However, like, let me just tell you a story. Like, hate and murder do, and we're going to get on a serious level, so take the serious, right? They turn into one another very quickly. There was a gentleman by the name of Dylan Roof in 2015, his hate, he was a white supremacist, and his hate for the African-American community led him to go into an African-American church and murder many innocent people while they're just like us consuming the word of God. His hate for a people group led to murder, right? All these things, it actually begins and it starts in our hearts, right? Man, I remember now if we could swing, because I'm saying, man, man, hate has many spectrums. Jesus went to the heaviest spectrum here, and it's true. But man, I remember being at seasons of my life where it's like, I hated my parents, right? They tried to dictate a lot of my life, and I didn't really honor them. And sometimes my uh, disagreements with them or me not liking the way they were leading me led me to actually hate them in my heart at, at times, right? Man, I've met with so many students in my office, guys and girls, Right? Sometimes, not often, right? but a hate for someone kind of breaking your heart. Right? Anyone have a job right now? Like over, more than half of you guys, right? You know who's tough sometimes? Coworkers, right? Right? Alex, where are you at? Jason doesn't work for you, does he? Okay, all right, be careful. He's sitting right behind you. He's sitting right behind you, okay? Right? Man, for sure. You know what? When I worked in the hospital as a nurse... I'd get so annoyed with my coworkers. You know how doctors like think they're like just God's gift to the world sometimes, right? They're so condescending. Some are super cool, but some are like think they're so arrogant and speak down to people, right? I was like, I hate that doctor, right? You know? And I thought when I started working in the church, all that was gonna go away. No. No, it's still hard sometimes. Coworkers are hard at times. We all struggle with hate. Right? Maybe I hit a spot for you there. And I think that hate really is kind of misused. Right? Just because we disagree with somebody or have a different worldview with somebody, we can't be described as hateful. Right? But then, then there's other things that actually really is hateful that's not being described as hateful. Right? So we hit on hate for a second. But I think love is also 
misused as well. So throw out some things to me that you love. What do you love, video games? All sports, what else? What do you love? Rock and roll, me too. You love your family. I love the good question band. You know what I love? I love Friday nights, right? TGIF, can I get an amen somebody? Okay. Um, I love cookies. Uh, on Valentine's Day, I stopped at Sam's Club and picked up um, some roses. And I picked up, uh, at Sam's, you know, they don't just sell like a, a, a pack of cookies. You have to buy a bucket, or yes, a big old large cylinder, right? And that's never a good idea. You know why? Because now we have all these cookies. And about every other night, like, we're like, you want to bake cookies? And we're like, mm-hmm, you know? And so we're crushing way too many cookies. I love cookies, right? I love Stranger Things, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what was the one about the Pogues? What's that one again? Outer Banks. I binge watched it. Had to fast forward some parts, you know? Right? What, what, what show do you love? Veggie oh, Tales. <laughs> pure. Pure Heart Autumn. Anointed. Amen. You got a reaction? What else? What, do you, what, what other show do you love? Yeah. Yeah. Emily in Paris. Emily in Paris? Should I know what that is? Okay. Grey's Anatomy? No, get out of here with that. No, no, get out of here. Uh, yes, The Office, right? right. Um, what about the new Spider-Man movie? I love it. I love it. Uh, so we say we love Fridays. We love cookies. We love Stranger Things. We love the new Spider-Man. But then we're like, I love God with all my heart, right? So it's like, okay, so what's hate, right? We hate stubbing our toes, right? But then hate can also lead us to commit corrupt and demonic evil, right? We say we love like Christ loves, an agape love where we lay our life down, yet we also love the new Spider-Man. So what is it, right? Are these words being misused or misunderstood? Well, the Bible, it gives us the answer. There's a quote from John Piper. Please read this pretty long quote with me on the screen, but we'll work with it for a second. There are four loves. It distinguishes arrows, a kind of romantic love where the lovers are hungry for each other. Everyone say vroom vroom. (laughs) And then... The phylos love, friendship love, where two people are linked arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder, with a common vision. Oh, that, that, that's beautiful. That's so good. With a common vision and a common goal and a delight in a partnership pulling together toward the goal. And storage, affection that one might have for an old sweater or slippers, right? Who has something that's like, like an heirloom you're going to pass on to your kids? Like, what, 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 do, you, what do you love? Do you have, a, you have something like an old, like, soccer shirt from your middle school year, like, year where you kicked a game-winning goal? Does anyone have anything like that? I have my Monster High doll collection. Your what? And you're just preaching, Autumn. You're preaching. Get up here. No, okay, right? So, so yeah, I, I can't think of what that is. For me, it's this Dodgers hat, right? I was so poor growing up, right? I, I found a Dodger hat at a thrift store, and it was fitted, right? So I couldn't adjust it, and I would squeeze my big, fat Jackson head into it and, like, cut off the circulation in my head, right? But when I became a nurse, and I, and I got my first paycheck, it was almost $1,000 on the dot, right? It was for a week's work of worth. I was like, I'm rich. Richest person I've ever seen, right? You know what I bought? I went and bought a Dodgers hat, new era, seven and three-fourths, and it fits nicely on my head. When I travel, yeah, you, amen, that'll preach. You clap. It's good. It's good, right? So, so we all have that. Uh, or, or, uh, and then finally, focus on this last sentence. Finally, we're at agape love, a divine love characterized by sacrifice in the pursuit of another person's good. Right? This is the love we're going to lean into tonight. Jesus says, this is the type of love that we must have in order for us to bring the kingdom of heaven 
through earth. And it's through agape love. Noah and Fleming, you guys quit talking for me, okay? Let's read this text. So open your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. And if someone gets a page number, please throw it out there for us, okay? Luke chapter 6, towards the back. And we're going to look at verses 27 through 36. Luke 6, verses 27 through 36. What, what is it in your Bible? Uh, 703. 703 in the NIV Bible, which is the blue and white one. What, and then the yellow Bible at 707, so pretty close. Luke 6. Guys, it's good because like, it's taking you a little bit to get there, but we're going to get better at it, okay? Like, this is good. Like, we haven't busted these guys out for a long time. Like, this is good for us to do, right? It's going to help our focus. It's good for us to be able to navigate the Word of God. So Luke chapter 6, verses 27 verse, uh, through verse 36, it says, But to you who are willing to listen, this is Jesus talking, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and then, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do, do to others as you would like them to do to you. If you love only those who love you, this is the hard part for us. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. Verse 33, and if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend, their other, lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will be truly acting as children of the most high for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Right. So when I read this text and I'm preparing to unpack this with you, I'm over here as a teacher, as your shepherd, saying, okay, like, like I gotta give him some, some context, right? Because this is too big, this is too much right? Maybe, maybe we can like look and explain, but like that was in, uh, a first century Christian 2,000 years ago. This is what it actually looks like for us today, right? I'm attempting in my flesh wanting to explain this away because when I think about it, this is hard to live. And people have hurt my wife and offended my wife. People have hurt my church that I love, right? People um, have hurt other people I love. People have hurt you and I'm offended for you about that, right? Like I have enemies, and then Jesus, he calls me to this incredibly high standard. I'm asking Jesus, is there another way, right? So let's look at that. Let's look at the context for a second. The first thing we're going to look at, let's look at the text in their town. When Jesus said this, what did this mean to the original hearers before it was transcribed for you and I to read today, right? See, the Jews, who's ruling at the time when Jesus arrives on the scene? Is it the Jews? It's not the Jews. Who's ruling? It's the Romans, right? And the Jews, Jesus is speaking to Jews in this moment, and they're remembering better days. Who was ruling when King David was in position? In the king. Mm -mm. It was the Jews, right? The Jews were on top. David was a skilled soldier and a butt kicker, right? He was like the 95 or 96 bulls with Jordan and Pippin. Right? The Jews were doing very well. The Jews had very successful seasons of life when they were obedient to God. That was an Old Testament type of relationship we had to God at that time. Right? Under the old covenant, covenant, 
when we obeyed God, right, and we submitted to him, favor and blessing would be upon our life. When we disobeyed God, we would lose favor, right? And, and a lot of times that equated into material possessions, right? And, and just success and property and financial increase, right? But we don't relate to God like that anymore. Jesus in the new covenant, right? We can approach God directly. Anybody can if they want to declare Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But it's not this, it's almost like in the Old Testament in some ways, it was almost like this prosperity thing. If you obey Obey God, you will be blessed. But man, we believe as Christians under the new covenant that because of who we have in Jesus Christ, man, it's all about our relationship to him. So even though we serve him and we love him and we get to have this incredible access to him, we have the power of the Holy Spirit just because we're seeking God and obeying God doesn't work like that anymore, right? Now it's under this new covenant, even though it's a better covenant, right? Jesus said, if they persecute me, who else are they gonna persecute? They're gonna persecute you right? Jesus also said, in this world, you will have trouble, right? So even though the new covenant is a better covenant, because without Jesus, we wouldn't be a part of this covenant, right? We couldn't inherit the kingdom of God, right? The Jews are remembering a time when they were on top. They were like the New England Patriots back when Brady was still uh, young. And he's old and Brady's still awesome, right? I wish he didn't, I, I kind of like, like I used to hate Brady and I learned to like him. Does anyone else change their hearts about Brom Brady? Right? I used to hate the guy. I kind of like him now. Are you guys with me? I don't know what's going on there, right? But that's how the Jews were. They were on top and they wanted the Messiah to come back because they were told that the Messiah would sit on the throne of David again. They thought that Rome would be dethroned. They wanted the Jews to be the center of the world again, but Jesus wasn't about that. Right? Yes, they are still God's chosen people. Yes, he loves the Jews. Yes, he made a way for the Jews, right? But it's not just about being Jewish any longer. It's about everybody being able to experience a relationship with God through the salvation which he purchased for us on the, Christ, on the cross because a life with Jesus is the fullest life. And he doesn't want that just for one people group. He wants that for all people groups if they choose to do that. Right? They wanted him to send lightning bolts into Caesar and tell the world that he only loves the Jews. Right? This is what the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they couldn't get their heads around. But Jesus, yes, he loves the Jews, but he loves all people. That's what it meant when the original audience was hearing this. This is what they're processing. This is what they're thinking about. Right? So who was ruling when Jesus first is giving this teaching? Who's, who's in rule at this time? Yes, right? Which He's a citizen of where? Rome. Rome is, is ruling, okay? Right? Now, who is Jesus talking to right now? Starts with a J. Yes, yes. I think, I think I'm tripping you guys up right now. You guys know this stuff, right? He is speaking to a Jewish audience, right? So you are what? You live in this country, therefore, or you were born in this country, which makes you what? American. That's right. Okay. Is anybody ruling over us right now? Right. So we don't relate to them in that way. They have, there are some other countries in the world that can certainly relate to that immediately. We're not like that. We're Americans, right? And we have an American government. We don't have foreigners ruling over us, right? So that's the difference between us and that audience, right? But we have to ask ourselves, when I look at the rest of the word of God, he's telling me to love my enemies. And this is not easy. This is hard. This is difficult. Does this line up with the rest of the word of God? Is this in there, right? So think for a second, and I can tell you, I can give you the answer, but does this line up with the rest of the word of God? This idea of loving your enemies. The answer is yes. So my next question is how? Mm -mm. 
I, I, like, I appreciate you, you, you giving an attempt. That's, that's not where I'm going. Right? Jesus, the way of Jesus is what? Lay your life down. Right? Pick up your cross. You know? Man, Jesus, all over and over, he says, it's better to give than it is to receive. He said, vengeance is mine. Right? And all of our scriptures, this is an incredibly hard call to actually be a Christ follower. That's why Jesus, he would preach hard messages like this, and there'd be many crowds and many people, and a lot of people would walk away after a hard message like this. They're saying, you want me to love my enemies? Right? He's not just calling them to forgive their enemies. He's taking it a step further and saying, I want you to love your enemies. So how are we going to do that? The, ne- the first thing what you see on the screen is if you're going to do that, you need to remember where you came from. It says in Colossians, this includes you who are once far away from God. You were his enemy, separated from him by evil thoughts and actions, right? So how can I do this? You, you're like, well, maybe I can put myself in their shoes. You were once an enemy of God, so we need to remember where we came from. It says in verse 22, it says, Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless, and you stand before him without a single fault. If Jesus Jesus can do this. We, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we certainly can too, because that's where we once were as well. The second way that we're going to be able to do this is you need to remember who you're loved by. The second thing is you're going to remember who you're loved by. It says in 1 John 4, 19, we love each other because he loved us first, right? Man, Paul, he says in Corinthians, he says, it's the love of God that what? It's the love of God that what? Who knows? It's a hard question. You might not know. What is it? The love of God what? It's the love of God that compels us, right? When you, Michael, when you get up here and play bass, right? You love music. I love a lot of the same music as you, right? So we love music. That's one of the reasons why you play, right? But ultimately, your, your motivation for coming up on this stage to perform, man, if the only motivation is just love for music, that's gonna like just end up not with much power. But if you're motivated through the love of God, right, that's where authority comes from. That's where anointing comes from, right? With my motivation to come up here and teach, right, if I just want you guys to like me, right, or you guys think I'm funny, or maybe I just want to be a good person and I believe in teenagers a lot, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe those motives are, like, not that bad or whatever, right? Like, like that, that's not going to have much power in the end, right? That's not going to go anywhere. Man, it must be the love of God that motivates me right? Because that ain't going anywhere. I'll have motivation till I'm dead and then in heaven with Jesus Christ to do that. If it's the love that's firing me up, then my fire will remain. So here's the thing. You, th- th- this might be so hard for me. This might be so hard for you because we're not letting Jesus love us, right? Are you sitting under the love of God? Are you experiencing the love of God, right? There's no greater way that Jesus could love you any more than he already does right now. Why? It's because Jesus already died for you. He said the greatest way, there's no greater love than this, than a man who lays down his life for his friends. Then he goes and died for us, right? He proved it, right? But you can't love your enemies. It says we love because he first loved us. If it's not starting with his love for us, you're not gonna love your enemy, right? And Jesus is saying here that if you are going to make an enemy your neighbor, you gotta experience my love first, Because then it just unfolds and it changes everything. The third thing we're going to see is that you need to remember where you're going, 
right? So th- this was just in the text that you just read. It was one of the last verses you read. Jesus said to them, your reward will be great if you love your enemies, right? And you will be like sons of the most high for he himself is kind, ungrateful, and evil people. So Jesus, think about the road to Calvary. He's nailed to the cross and he's about to die, right? What did he say to the people? He's talking to God, but he's talking about the people. What did he say? Father, what? Forgive them, right? How could he do that, right? He knew where he, was, he, knew where he came from. He knew where he was going. That has to be your motivation as well. I mean, Jesus, he's, he's fixing your eyes upon heaven right now. He's fixing your eyes upon God, who's the author and the perfecter of your faith right now, right? Man, Jesus, he certainly is kind to ungrateful and evil people. Now, think about this for a second, right? We don't talk much about um, rewards in heaven, right? Like I, I joke about rewards in heaven more than I talk about them seriously, right? But you know, you, everything that you do, good and bad, will be brought under judgment, right? And you might get into heaven because of the grace of God, or certainly that's the only way you're going to get to heaven is because of the grace of God, right? But there will be different status in heaven. There will be different positions in heaven. There will be different blessings in heaven. There will be different uh, uh, gifts rewarded to you in heaven. And we don't talk about that very much. Why, right? Because I think that we're scared that the gifts are going to become our primary motivation for loving people or doing the things of God, right? And we're, we're not about that. I know your heart. I know your soul, right? That is not your primary motivator, so you prefer not to talk about it. Even I prefer not to talk about it, right? But Jesus is talking about it. So that's not the primary motivator. If that's your primary motivator, you're going to get called out by Jesus just like he called out disciples, right? Because what were the disciples arguing about? My theologians, can you tell me for a second? When, when they were sitting at the table with Jesus Christ, what were they arguing about? Yep, yep. He, that, that won't work as a primary motivator, right? It's kind of like um, working out to get a six-pack, you know what I'm saying? Rather than working out so that you uh, don't develop plaque in your veins and then have a stroke and die, right? Okay, so listen, listen. <laughs> Amen, thank you, bro, right? Right, okay, so get this, right? Working out and eating healthy is good because it'll make you what? That's not what I'm looking for, Jason. It'll make you healthy, right? But you know what? If I'm going to look better, cool, right? So it's not, it's a poor primary motivator, and it won't work. In fact, it's, it's sin. If your primary motivation is like, like that's weird as a primary motivator. But Jesus talks about this over 29 times in the New Testament. So it, it is important that we go over it. And ultimately, it's this. It's not about rewards, right? It's not, it's not, it's not. But what's important to think about is, man, this world's not my home, right? I don't need to store up for myself treasures on earth. And I want to think about heaven and being with him because that's where I'm going, right? So we need to get a healthy grip on it, but that we, we don't need to deny it completely, right? So loving my enemies and forgiveness of them, that, that's crazy because some of us have been hurt really bad, you know? Like, I've heard, like, horrible things in man, 10 plus, I'm, I'm over 10 years of ministry now, probably like coming up on 12 now, right? Horrible, horrible things. Worse than me, right? It's not about comparison, right? Your pain is personal. My pain is personal, right? So it's not about comparing pains, right? But man, when I look at some of the things you walk through, it's, it's, it's really scary. It's really hard. It's really sad, right? And that's why I'm so grateful it's, it's, it, that, that I get to share with you about the healing 
and love of Jesus Christ and his restorative love that he has for you, right? Because, man, we, we can overcome because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. But then when it says loving my enemies and forgiving them when I've been through bad things, it makes us feel like, well, what about those bad things? Are they going to go unchecked? Are they going to go unpunished, right? You need to remember that Jesus said, vengeance is mine. I will judge and I will repay. You won't do it if you don't experience the love of Jesus Christ for yourself. You can be in church, right? You can be doing the things of God, right? But you might be so busy, you're not encountering the agape love that he has for you yourself. You can't extend agape love if you don't receive agape love. So I challenge you, like, man, just learn to practice the presence of God. Learn to silence all the noise, silence all the distractions, and, and, and learn to love the word of God. And I know you're like, Jackson, I want more. There's got to be more, right? There, there must be another trick. And it's like, it's really easy. It's really easy to experience the love of God because he's already given it to you. We just have to experience it and live in it now. But, but in fact, it's so easy. I tell you guys this all the time. The easiest things to do are also very easy not to do, right? Man, I, I would guarantee if you're not experiencing the love of God and we had a talk, we're probably not very good at silence with God and in solitude, just being alone with him. We're, we're probably not very good about being in the scriptures, right? Or maybe we're in the scriptures, but we're not applying them to our life. And if we're not in, the, in, in experiencing the love of God, then, then maybe our prayer life is just like not that good, right? Like, like and those things aren't a means to an end at all. But there, there is this relational aspect that comes from spending time with God. It's just the way it is. You and I, we love each other with time and communication. Man, I want you to walk in the love of God so you can live in the freedom of what it means to love your enemies. The resistance, what we're teaching, is all about offering the world an alternative. Jesus said, if you only love those who love you, everybody does that. I'm calling you to something different. That's why in this teaching it's called Love Must Resist Hate. Let me pray for you. God, I love you, Lord. I thank you for the students, God. Thank you for just their, their, their love of being here. I'm so grateful for that. Be over groups right now, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for spending time with us. If you'd like to learn more about The Bridge, please follow us on Instagram at wearethebridge. Also, if you need prayer, send us a DM. Otherwise, tune in next time.